I had a bad habit that I broke for two days. I was stacking VSTs in the door, thinking more VSTs, better. Big mistake. Deleted 60 of them, however, if it's granular, I want it. I want all of them. And with that quote, we are heading into the second episode of Based and Breaks, your hopefully favorite drum and bass podcast with me, Ground Sentence, and my good friend, Hidden Aura. Welcome to this podcast. Um, we are going to talk about this quote a bit more in depth later. But before we head into the episode itself, I want to give a big shout out to Hyperlinks Music, who is... Um, the producer of our intro track. Um, the track is called Flow State. So do check him out. He's an amazing producer, super nice guy. Um, thank you so much for letting us use your music. Hey, what's up, lovely people? It's me, Hidnora. I'm just going to give a quick recap of what we discussed in the last week's episode. Uh, so we talked briefly about how we got into music production, how long we've been producing for. Afterwards, we talked a lot about the, the process of music production and how we believe that pretty much any, anyone is able to do it. And today is going to be pretty much a, con a continuation of the story uh, where we start talking about some technical details to music production. I delved into some drum processing today, which we're going to have a nice in-depth conversation about, trying to teach you guys the ways how we do it. And, you know, who knows, maybe you'll get some good ideas out of it and maybe not. So, yeah, welcome to this week's episode and I hope you enjoy. Yeah, I'm very much looking forward to what you're going to show us and me um, in terms of drum processing. Um, yeah, I've prepared some nice little examples. I've already adopted some of the techniques that you're using. Um, we've been talking about this before a little bit as well. Um, so, yeah, very, very excited of what's to come there. But, um, yeah. How about um, having a quick look into the scene of what happened in the past few days and weeks? Um, so I think it's a reoccurring theme that's going to happen. Um, I feel like in every episode that we're going to record, because again, you will go to Rampage, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, <laughs> there is another Rampage planned in December, which I had tickets uh, for like for years because that was the original Rampage edition in 2020 that got cancelled and got, you know, postponed like three times so far. It's finally happening this December. It's got a massive lineup. Uh, people along the lines of Noisia are coming. Oh my. It's great names through. I can maybe run through the, uh, the lineup a little bit later on as well. But then they announced the regular March event in 2022 as well, being Rampage Renegade. So I already got tickets for that. I'm going two days is going to be absolutely insane, but I'm so stoked for it already. Super crazy. Yeah. And um, if I'm not mistaken, it's actually right around your neighborhood. So not too far to go um, to these events, right? Yeah, exactly. So I live just above Brussels and Rampage usually happens in Antwerp. So it's like 25 to 30 minutes by car, which is it's just amazing for me because it's, it's, as you say, it's right around the corner and I can stay all the way until the end and 20 minutes later, I'm home for sure by car. So, Oh, that's so convenient. Happy days. Yeah, there's, um, in, my, in my hometown, there's also a music festival happening every year, which is quite big. Um, in, it's a German festival called um, Rock and Park, which basically means like 
rock in the park. Um, it's not only rock music, but it's also rap music. And um, Chase and Status have been there before as well. Um, oh, that's sick. I love going to that festival. Um, always crazy. So I am a bit jealous um, because we don't really have such a big um, drum and bass festival in the neighborhood, at least where I'm living in Germany. Yeah, I think you mentioned this in the last episode as well that you'd have to drive quite far away to get to an actual drum and bass festival yeah probably the closest would be let it roll which should be like two to three hundred kilometers away something along the lines of that um if i'm not mistaken but yeah um still um it's quite a way it's quite a way over but probably worth it yeah i mean i'm looking at the the lineup right now uh, so the, the biggest names on there are Pendulum Trinity, who's coming. There's obviously a farewell tour uh, from Noisia. Uh, so this is probably the, the last time I'll be able to see him live. So that's that's something I'm extremely stoked about. There's people like Blackson Empire, there's Cameron Crook, there's Mephius, Delta Heavy, Dirty Phonics, DJ Marky, Matrix and Futurebound, Motestep, Virtual Riot, like all the good names are going to be there. So... <laughs> Yeah, all the big ones. Also, like a lot of smaller names like AC13, Ben Snow, Used, Belgian man, Bass Tripper, Belgian as well. So yeah, it's I'm really looking forward to it. I've been looking forward to this lineup since 2020, so it's finally happening now. I'm incredibly stoked. Yeah, super sick. I'm I'm actually I'm actually um yeah. I uh, would really love to see Come and Crooked as well. Um, you mentioned them coming there. Um, did you see the set by them that they've published recently? Like they're going from one crazy place of a set to the next one. And whenever you think they like can't go crazier on the place that they are streaming from or playing yeah. from, um, they just up it by one more. And um, yeah, this time they 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 went into like a, a hot air balloon and we played some drum and bass flying through the sky <laughs> yeah no I've, I've definitely seen like they've done what three or four of these very crazy sets now i think they've done a ferris wheel they've done a wind turbine they've done i think like a fucking uh, ice mountain or something like that and now the hot air balloon they, they they're doing absolute crazy sets on, on the most amazing places and it's always so cool to watch him do it like I, I love those things yeah the visuals really really accompany the the vibe of yeah. the music there it kind of all started with the set and they've played in the alps i think somewhere yeah. um where there was actual people there and then then they just went crazy and crazy yeah the ferris wheel in vienna <laughs> that was a mad one pretty pretty crazy stuff it's pretty much the same uh, with the set that Shogun Audio released, what uh, say a week ago, mm -hmm. the the Monroe DJ set from uh, Puzzlewood. I feel like oh yeah, I've seen that. It's amazing. The, the, it's so it's like it's a bit overcast. So it's the video is dark. It's in this forest. It looks really mystical. Like combine that with the the deep vibes that Monroe always gives off with his music. Like it fits so well for me and. I really love that. The set was really, really good. And um, I've checked the track list there. I didn't know every track that they that he was playing there. Um, there's a lot of IDs in there. So a lot of music that's um, yet to come out. Um, I'm really, really looking forward to that. But yeah, like you mentioned, the the whole vibe they caught with um, with the drones flying through the through the woods there, and um, the way they lit up some of the trees um, made it look really surreal 
at times as well. Um, absolutely lovely. And yeah, the, the production uh, quality was just through the roof. Exactly. And what's um, yeah, they 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 chose that location for the second time, I think now because um, I don't know if you've seen that one before. It's a bit older now. Um, Poland Bryson. Um, yeah. Also had a set in the same location, but they had very different feelings to it because for Polar and Bryson they placed these glow sticks, right? Um, mm-hmm. That were that were um, shining in different colors, and for Monroe they went for a bit of a darker theme in total. So very yeah, cool yeah, stuff. Yeah. yeah, I love how they they organized it, especially just like you said with the drone footage and just shots from far away. It really encapsulates the the mystical feeling of the forest like it adds like there's smoke effects there there's lights it's it's really well done yeah absolutely amazing they've it's a it's a work of art <laughs> yeah it really is it really is yeah i would love to play there as well like one day shogun shogun album and then you're gonna see me live <laughs> playing in puzzle Wars. yeah that's that'd be that'd be pretty sick I'd, I'd i'd love to do that as well at, at some point that would be that would be fantastic maybe that's a location to record the podcast from you know <laughs> from a recording forest, live yeah. in puzzlewood <laughs> sure let's both just go there every other week to record a podcast episode why not <laughs> yeah perfect it's going to be a bit cold in the winter i guess <laughs> quite possibly <laughs> no right. but i'm i'm a big fan of monroe's in general especially like his music as well he he always makes very deep tracks but they have so much texture to them i i absolutely love it he's he's a true wizard to me i don't know how he does it yeah those are not these these like I don't want to say boring but kind of bland um similar sounding just very dry deep song yeah. um tracks that you can often hear um but his really have a very special vibe and you can hear that it's a Monroe track when you hear one. Yeah, exactly. I feel like he's also able to combine like emotions in a deep track because there's a lot of deep tracks out there which are just like very industrial sounding and like no emotions in there. But he always seems to combine like these emotional melodies and pianos and and Mm -hmm. road patches and then when the drop hits, it's just like you're transported to an entirely different track, but it somehow always works for me, at least. Yeah, the same for me. Um, I really, really adore his um, music. It really, like you say, it sets the vibe very, very nicely, but then you can still party to it and you can still dance to it and, and yeah. um, it still gets your energy up, right? Um, the first track that comes to mind like that is his uh, remix for Little Bird by BC. Oh, yeah. It sounds so melancholic in the beginning, but then when the drop hits, the bass just hits so hard and it's so deep and oh, I absolutely love it. Yeah, he really caught the the setting of the original and then gave it um, his own his, little twist his unique in there. spin, yeah. Yeah, I've, I've played it a couple of times actually um, before I think you do as well. In yeah, your sense. I absolutely adore that track. It's probably one of my favorite Monroe tracks uh, together with Horizon. Yeah, I also really loved his um, the the Warsaw. I don't know how to say that in English. Yeah. Warsaw, yeah. Warsaw uh, EP that he recently dropped. Um, it's one of the few things that I've actually liked on SoundCloud. <laughs> <laughs> so everything that yeah, gets a no, like on SoundCloud is is a banger. I was I was incredibly surprised by the EP because somehow it sounded so unlike Monroe, but still mm-hmm. so like Monroe at the same time. 
it was yeah, a he very really developed good experience his, for me. He really develop keeps developing himself as well. Yeah. Um I love to see that. Especially like the the Warsaw track itself with the yeah. the nice the crispy brakes and then the heavy eight to eight bass in there. Sound yeah, absolutely. absolutely fantastic. And we've uh, I've, I've already mentioned um, um, us playing sets, right? Um, I yeah. want to I want to use this as like a, a short uh, shameless self promotion for both of us, <laughs> um, because especially you are playing on, on on Twitch live just for free and for like an hour or two, um, almost yeah. every week, right? Yeah, I, I try to do DJ sets every week just to keep myself busy uh, for the most part, just to keep my my skills up and running so to speak so now that events are back that i don't lose out on the the technical ability to dj and to further you know find good combos and keep new music streaming in really and then i also do it just because i love to to party with my friends there like it's not yeah. always a a ginormous amount of people that tune in but the ones that are there usually stay for the entire course and we have fun and we vibe together and it's that gives me a very special feeling of it's a bit weird to say but probably a feeling of warmth to know that yeah. some random stranger over the internet possibly hundreds or even thousands of kilometers away from you is just sat there watching you and vibing with you like it's a very special connection to me so i love doing them i try to do one uh, at least once a week you can follow me on twitch at hidonora dnb um it's the same handle for pretty much all my social media platforms so yeah do give him a follow if you like drum and bass DJ sets, I try to vary them as well. Like the last set I did was uh, based around liquid and deep. Sometimes I do pretty heavy stuff like rollers and jump up. Um, so I try to vary as much as possible just to keep the all roundness going. Uh, and I just absolutely love doing them. So, yeah, I really love the vibe as well. Um, it's always a joy tuning in. And um, yeah, a lot of people being active in the chat as well. Um, just yeah, showing that they're alive, that they enjoy what you're doing. Um, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's a great reward, honestly. Yeah, I love it as well. Um, and it's a lot of fun, of course, as well. Like just DJing by itself is already a lot of fun. Yeah, exactly. And it's also nice to support the homies uh, by playing out their tunes. <laughs> oh, Even yes. <laughs> for a very small audience, like I, I love playing other people's tunes, especially if they happen to be present in chat at that time. It's just, yeah, that's always fun. Yeah, spread um, the joy, you know. And even better when it's dubs. Exactly, <laughs> unreleased tracks are are the best. Yeah, it's it's always it's always great, and then you can see if like how people react to it uh, when you're playing them live. It's a great exactly great way of getting some some extra feedback and hearing it in the mix of um, or in the context of another um, or of other songs. Um, that are yeah, definitely. As well. you, it's also a great opportunity to explore uh, good and original transitions into your own music and into other people's music. Right. Because it's, it's quite easy if you don't DJ a lot to fall into this habit of playing the same tunes over and over again every set. And that's something you obviously want to avoid as much as possible because if people know exactly what you're going to play beforehand, then there's no reason to come watch you. You know what I mean? You should tell that to the DJs that are playing in German clubs, man. Oh no. <laughs> They've opened up in uh, like beginning of October and 
they are playing the same music like four years ago, basically. It's just like as if COVID has never happened. They're just playing exactly what, what was played before. Um, yeah. It's crazy. Every night sounds the same. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think that's the thing, especially in, if I look at clubs here as well, um, especially the commercial ones. It's just, it is exactly the same music every time. And yeah. that's, that's also why I don't like going to these these regular clubs. For starters, uh, because of the people that's there and yeah. just the music is not, I don't vibe with it as much. I can do, all right, I can go to a normal club for like, one night but nah not every week because i just get bored so easily then yeah absolutely and like the drum and bass community is really special and um maybe it's time for a shout out to the audience to whoever is listening right now because you're part of the drum and bass community and you are part of what makes this um so great like you like you mentioned um these commercial clubs like often there's um types of people and personalities that are just uncomfortable you know a lot of aggressive people and stuff like that you yeah, really yeah, exactly. seldom have that in drum and bass like people just <clears throat> like each other and are just cool with each other i would say yeah it's a, it's a very weird thing to me like if i go to a regular club and you try to talk to like a random person who's there it's very easily you get the vibe uh that they're just like why why are you even talking to me who even are you like do you know who i am <laughs> no like get lost while if you're at a rave you can party with anyone and anyone will instantly become your friend even if they're just <laughs> you know passing by in the crowd you vibe with them they're happy they smile everyone's just there to have a good time while in regular clubs i feel like a lot of people are there to show off their status and that's something i just do not vibe with at all yeah, absolutely. Um, actually, one of the one of the festivals, or like not really festivals, but one of the gigs I saw with drum and bass, it was really, really. I was really surprised because I was just by myself there in the crowd, standing there, and um, some stranger next to me, he was lighting one up, you know. Um, and the first thing he thought about is turning to me and saw me being alone, and he was like, "Hey, do you also do you also want to to smoke with me? Let's vibe together." Um, which was crazy to me at that time. It was one of the first times I've seen drum and bass live. And, and I thought like, hey, like, how come you are actually a nice person that's also listening to the music here? Because I was only used to commercial clubs. Yeah, it's a, it's a different experience entirely. And that's, that's why I love it so much. I, I could easily go to a rave every single week. Um, without a doubt, I'd love to do so. Yeah. No, if um, I, I would also love to um, just, yeah, seldom we have the opportunity around here, especially in the countryside of Bavaria, <laughs> where you can be happy when there's they're not playing like traditional music. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I get that. It's, it's, it's really weird because obviously in Belgium, the drum and bass scene is quite big, I'd say, mm -hmm. uh, if you, you know, compare it to other countries like Germany or like, say, France or something. Um, right the drum and bass scene here is a lot bigger because obviously quite a lot of pioneers in drum and bass came from Belgium. Uh, even though their styles are not really matched to the scene here anymore, it's a lot of Belgian jump up as to be expected, um, which is, it's not as fun, but you, you start to, to appreciate it if that's the only events you can go to. So yeah, it's, it's weird. It's, it comes and goes, but I feel like the scene in Belgium is heavily evolving as well. Like in which a lot direction? Of, away from the Belgian jump-up scene. 
um, oddly enough. It's been the thing in Belgium for so long. But I see Bel- classic Belgian jumper producers like Primate and Captain Bass are mm-hmm. really starting to experiment with more sounds, going more in a a deep direction, more in a like UK jump up roller direction. And they're really starting to drift away from those those cricket bases, those laser mm-hmm. bases. So I, I love to see it. There's there's more of a culture going around now for like all round drum and bass, uh except just like a full lineup of Belgian jump up all night, which is absolutely amazing to me yeah having some kind of variation over the course of an evening is super important i can't listen to the same style even if i like it um, i don't want to listen to the same style for eight hours in a row on a rave you know um yeah exactly <laughs> so this is like yeah there are certain parties that we are used to have a lot of variation like think of liquidity events right. i think there's like two liquidity events in antwerp each year and they always have a very varied lineup like they start off liquid but there's been artists like coven who come by mm-hmm. um obviously very dance floor stuff like andromedic and stuff like that there's been deep artists there there's been like actual jump up artists it's so nice because it's not always the same. I also right. went to Star Wars, which is a just deep drum and bass for the entire night. Oh, and I thought it's it was weird a movie. To say, but I actually missed some variation there, like some some heavy jump up in there or a, a fat roller. Because right now it was just deep all the way through the night, and mm-hmm. like after three hours, it just all starts sounding the same. And that's that was a pretty big vibe killer for me personally. Yeah, yeah, you can't you can't keep vibing to the same kind of music for for too long in a row, which is also why usually I prefer like buried drum and bass lineups over say like in Germany you have a lot of techno as well. Um yeah. but often often people who play techno here are sticking very closely to one style, um, which is often quite heavy and dark, um, if you go to a proper techno club. So yeah. Um yeah, gotta love drum and bass for the variety of subgenres it also has. Yeah, it really always, is a massive pyramid underneath drum and bass. It's yeah, there's always a bit of a fight going on between some of them, but I mean, just as as jokes, right? Um, yeah, it's actually and, super I mean, nice. It has to be expected for anything where there's <laughs> multiple contenders for like the top place, so to speak. Uh, there's always going to be rivalry within subgenres or genres or forms of art, if you will. Uh, it's always going to be like that. That's just basic human nature, I think. Of course. But I mean, um, since we are based and um, uh, and breaks, uh, both of us can agree that deep and liquid is the best. <laughs> That's also what we, <laughs> we make ourselves. So, I mean, yeah. Of course, of course. We have to no, say that. I... Personally, I I love all bass music. Everything that has a nice fat bass in there, I can listen to. I can mm-hmm. easily listen to anything from drum and bass to dubstep to rhythm to like even hardcore or hard style. Like I can listen to it all. Side trance, I don't care. Just <laughs> pop it up. If it has a lot of bass, I like it. That's just... 
Yeah, you're you're can, one of I those guys who will about. like install a way too large subwoofer in his trunk and then just like roll around in like a Ford Fiesta or something like that. Right? Yeah, if I if I wasn't driving around in a Fiat 500 <laughs> and I actually had more space in my car, I definitely would pop a subwoofer in there for sure, like without a doubt. Just slap I it on the bass. roof. <laughs> yeah, I just love bass so much. That's. <laughs> Oh yeah, I love it. It's like we we have around the town where I am. There's a lot of like tuner um, scene, and and you like right. every day basically you can see like um, people um, yeah with way too large subs in their trunk, just like very <laughs> slowly, like very very slowly, like ten kilometers an hour or something, just rolling there, just showing off that they have a very big sub, you know, <laughs> <laughs> vibrating their windows. It's too funny. It's too funny. <laughs> Sadly, seldom it's drum and bass. <laughs> yeah, they they don't know what's good yet. Yeah, They'll we have to teach eventually. them. Yes, definitely. Uh, drum and bass is going to conquer the world eventually. There's not going to be any kind of different genres anymore. Um, <laughs> at one point, we will take over. Yeah, <laughs> this is the next supremacy here. We're, we'll rule the earth as one. Yeah. drum and bass supremacy oh that sounds lovely <laughs> that's that's gonna be a uh an album EP, an album name at some point oh yes that sounds that sounds really good let's make it the, let's make it a collab album yeah all right let's go drum and bass, drum supremacy. And bass supremacy it sounds more <laughs> eurofunk to me to be honest true true right uh, we will we, we will see. I think yeah, maybe maybe that's a project to plan for the future. Drum and bass yeah. supremacy. Gotta gotta perfect the production side first. Yeah. Which might actually be a nice leeway into a bit of a technical topic for today. Oh, we have a technical topic today. We have a technical topic today. I prepared Ooh. a little a little sound example as well. So something oh I've been learning a lot about the last couple of weeks is how to properly process your drums and glue everything together so it's not just a kick, a snare and some hats, but it sounds like one cohesive drum set being played, really. And that's and, really important and difficult to achieve, actually. Yeah, exactly. And the way I go about that is I process each elements individually so i'll have a processing chain on my kick processing chain on my snares on my percussions but then i'll also press them together uh, through what we call a bus which is basically a single track where we route every other element to so we can all process them together so every effect effect we put on that bus affects all the things together mm -hmm. like if we're putting a compressor on a bus, we're not just compressing an individual sample. No, we're compressing everything together. So the entire groove gets affected. And I think that is how you create a certain sense of cohesion um, in your track and how to make everything sound much more as a whole thing, um, Right. to be honest. Yeah, working with buzzes is really, really important, um, to be honest. Um, I'm really looking forward to to see and to hear um, what your effect chain actually on your drum bus is. Yeah, I've got a, a pretty large effect chain. Like, I'll just quickly open it up here so I can give you a sense of everything that's in there. But I do pretty heavy drum processing, like on the bus, uh, because I find that it really helps me to create a 
a better sound for my drums. So what I usually start off with is a is a glue compressor, just to make everything tied together a bit more, to add glue, as we say, obviously. Mm -hmm. A glue compressor is basically just a regular compressor with a 4 to 1 ratio, a uh, long attack and a very short release. Mm -hmm. That's actually really, I really interesting because... Um, funnily enough, even though I do apply compression and uh, in a quite similar way of settings, um, I was always wondering, like, what exactly do people mean by glue compressor? Of course, I knew it was supposed to glue everything together and make yeah. it sound as one unit, but I didn't, I didn't know that it's um, like that there's fixed um, or relatively fixed um, settings for the compressor. So yeah, the, quite the thing, what you're trying to achieve with this is because you take a long attack time, it takes the compressor relatively long to start kicking in. Yeah, you're not killing then, the transients. Yeah, exactly. That's that's the main important thing. You want to make everything sound whole, but you don't want to kill off all the transients. Um, you can obviously layer it uh, X amount of percentage as well. So you still have some of that clean signal going through as well, which is something I do. Like my, parallel compression? Yeah, pretty much. I usually set my mix like around anywhere from 70 to 80%. So there's still a little bit of the the exact transients and the exact normal vibes going through. Mm -hmm. But there's still a nice bit of glue compression on there. Uh, obviously, the ratio is how much compression is actually happening. Most compressors, if they have set amounts and not just a... A linear scale they'll have like either uh, two to one four to one or something like ten to one depending on what you want to achieve and glue compression usually uses four to one ratio for whatever reason that might be i'm not entirely sure but that's just how it's done um, yeah i mean it's it's quite a, it's quite a nice ratio it still applies a decent amount of compression um but yep. it's not completely overboard like eight to one ten to one something like that exactly like if you're going eight to one ten to one you're basically starting to limit instead of compress so yeah so when you but talk that, about long attack time can i actually ask you how long you chose the attack time for this particular example that you have prepared so um, for the particular be. example i i usually use the glue compressor by cytomic plugins Mm -hmm. is my is my one of my favorite compressors and I use it a lot and I use the longest attack setting they have which is only 30 milliseconds mm -hmm. um but if I were to use something like let's say a fab filter pro c2 uh you can go all the way up to 250 milliseconds and you would recommend that it I would not recommend any specific value um because it changes for the samples right. you use or the the sample if you create them yourself as well it mm -hmm. heavily depends on the vibe you're going for so i would never suggest like use these exact values just listen to what sounds right like if you feel like 30 millisecond attack sounds better than 100 millisecond attack go for the 31 if you feel the other way around go for longer like i i try to make my racks as customizable as possible so what i tend mm -hmm. to do is if i have a set rack which i always use pretty much the same plugins i put them into edison um or a patcher i'm sorry into a patcher which is basically a thing in fl studio where you can create a chain and it all gets condensed down to one slot basically it's yeah, very so, so one slot as an effect right and you have multiple yeah. effects in that slot 
Exactly. Uh, I think like in Ableton, you have the same thing where it's called a rack or something. Um, but you can automate or link certain parameters for each plugin to a different knob on the surface. So you can easily customize everything uh, or you can just go mm. in and open each plugin individually. So I just load it up on the, the basic setting and then I adjust the plugins to make it sound the way I want it to sound. So it's, I never use the exact same uh, chain because it changes depending on the vibe. Right. So I'll, as I said, I always start off with some glue compression to make it sound more as a whole. Then the next thing I tend to add is a soft clipper, which is basically a form of saturation, um, just mm -hmm. to give it some more, more gain after, after the glue compression, because obviously you're compressing, so it's getting quieter. Um, so I give it some more gain again and have it saturated a bit in the meantime as well. Then I use a, another saturator, usually fab filter setting with some tube saturation. Mm -hmm. um, I usually cut that out in the subregions, so where the kick sub really is. I don't do any saturation because I wanted to have a clean low end. So that's something I would actually suggest. If you're saturating, make sure you're not saturating underneath 150 or 100 hertz. Yeah. Because you'll you'll very easily distort uh the low end and that's that just sounds messy in the end. Yeah, absolutely. Um so there the the Fab filter um Saturn really comes in handy. It's it's a really, really great plugin if you if you have it. Um it's amazing how many capabilities or how, how capable this plugin is. Um yeah. I really love the um the tape saturation it yeah. um it offers as well. Um Super nice, super warm. Really yeah, maybe lovely. for anyone who doesn't really know FabFilter Saturn, what it is basically is a multiband saturation plugin. So you can define a specific frequency range or multiple specific frequency ranges and saturate them each individually and differently as well. Mm -hmm. So it opens up a whole world of capabilities to shape the sounds of anything to something entirely different by saturating different regions, different amounts and different types of saturation. It also allows you to mess with the feedback and the dynamics of everything. So it's, it's a really valuable plugin. FabFilter makes amazing plugins in my opinion. Oh, they are industry standards. Yeah, this dynamic, this dy uh, uh, dynamics option is super interesting because of course, when you are saturating, you are losing dynamic range. Yeah. Um, and it really it allows you to um, to get get back that dynamic range. Um, you can also compress even more. But um, yeah, exactly, yeah, lovely setting. Uh, then I usually do some more uh, compression as well, just to make it sound more glued together again. Um, because I feel if you add a lot of things, it tends to rip certain elements apart from each other again so I can press everything quite heavily, uh, which might not always be good, but that's just how I try and do it and how I like to do it. Um, it's always, as I said, you always have to check how it sounds in the end in the mix and then adjust accordingly. Mm -hmm. And then the next step is uh, the thing I showed you well, now a couple of weeks ago probably, is I add reverb to my entire drum bus. Yes. Um, so the good thing about using patcher in FL Studio is that it allows you to put another patcher inside there. Um, so I have made a parallel reverb rack inside patcher as well, which allows me to 
put reverb on things, but do it in a parallel fashion. So I still have the full dry signal and then I layer it with a full wet signal. Mm -hmm. uh, that cleans it up because you still have the full dry signal. Um, so that's why I use parallel for a lot of effects. And then and I add a parallel reverb rack to the entire drum bus. Because what you're basically doing then is you're situating your your drum kit essentially into a room. So that really ties it all together because it doesn't sound like the kick is in a completely different environment than the snare when it was created. You're tying it all together by basically placing all the elements in a singular space like you were to have a drum set just standing in a certain room. The room has a certain reverb to it, a certain echo to it. And that character is basically what you're inducing by putting a reverb on everything together. And I think that's that's a very valuable tip that I learned not too long ago myself. And that really helps create a a good sounding drum loop. Yeah, I really like that tip because, um, like you said, it adds a lot of character. And um, of, it's super logical. Of course, you want everything to sound like it's in the same room to make it sound natural and, and realistic. Um, but to my mind, um, oh, before, before you like mentioned it to me, I was always, um, thinking like, yeah, I don't want reverb on my kick. I don't want reverb on my snare. I, I always felt reverb sounded weird on my snares. Um, so I just applied reverb individually to like, for example, my hi-hat buzz, um, or something like that. Yep. Um, but I've really, um, learn and for myself i like to use a convolution reverb here um, um but i've really learned to love it um because it adds so much character um it's very important to um eq the uh, reverb afterwards and yep. make sure that you don't have um a lot of low end going on and um too sharp high end in the in the reverb but it adds so much feeling to the drums that yep. would otherwise be missing if they were dry Exactly. And that's also why I really like uh, the fact that you're using parallel reverb, because that means you can EQ just the reverb um, signal. And because if you were to do just a, a serious reverb, mm -hmm. it would affect everything. And if you then were to use a um, EQ on it, you'd also be cussing away from the dry signal. So the drums would also get impacted by the EQ. Whilst if you do parallel reverb, you're just working with the dry signal of the drums and then the wet signal of the reverb. So you can adjust each one individually. Say there's too much reverb on the low end, you can easily cut it out with an EQ. You can make very precise cuts and dips and they won't affect the original drums, just the reverb on top of them. I really love um, Logic's convolution reverb there because it has a built-in EQ that just uh, uh, affects the wet signal um, yep. itself. Which is super lovely. So I don't really need to to um, yeah put it on a on a separate buzz. Um, like I, Logic doesn't have a patcher like like FL does. That's really a big advantage yeah. of FL. Um, I have to admit, even though I don't like it, um, admitting it. Um, <laughs> so the way you would achieve um, this kind of parallel reverb would be um, to just run your drum um, kit um, through a send um, that sends it to another buzz um, in other doors. I mean. Um, and then you just put a reverb with full mix on it. So just a wet signal, and then you can mix it together afterwards again. Yeah, definitely. I mean, 
I use uh, the FL Studio stock reverb called Fruity Reverb 2 quite a lot because I actually feel like it sounds pretty good. It's not mm-hmm. a convolution reverb, it's a normal reverb and it's got some EQ settings, but it's just low cut and high cut. So say there's this weird resonant frequency in the reverb at like 4K, you can't cut that out unless you cut out everything below that or above that. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's why I like just putting a separate EQ on there um, so I can right. target individual frequencies. But if just like you say, some reverb plugins do have the specific EQ function. Like I know once again, FabFilter uh, Reverb, I think it's Pro R uh, mm-hmm. called. They have that. They have a fully customizable EQ in there that you can shape the sound with. And it has such a lovely sound as well. It's one of the best and, algorithmic uh, yeah. reverbs um, that I know. Exactly. The Pro R exactly. is lovely. Another one up there um, is the, the Vintage Verb by yep. uh, Valhalla. Valhalla. Yeah. Oh, I love that Very stuff. Very nice plugins. Yeah. And then after the reverb, what I usually do is I have a, a limiter there um, just to boost the signal a bit because the way I mix is everything starts off pretty quiet and then I boost it afterwards. So because if I start too loud, I'll be clipping on my master channel pretty quickly. So I just drag everything down uh, so I don't get clipping distortion where I don't want it. So if something's not loud enough in the end, I just boost it a bit. And so that's what the, the limiter is for. That's just to to give it a little bit of a boost. Usually get about 2 dB of reduction on my kick and my snare. Mm-hmm. Um, also adds some saturation there again uh, by by limiting it. And then arguably one of the very most important steps of the entire drum bus and after all the saturation and the reverbs and all that is to add a separate EQ. Um, because obviously the, the saturation creates new overtones to all the sounds. You don't want to make them too harsh. Like I have a standard cut set, a, a low cut at 50 hertz. So everything that's below there doesn't need to be there because that's where my sub needs to rain, not additional over undertones from my kick that get created by the the saturation. I usually have a small dip around 150 hertz as well to get rid of some muds that the saturation and the reverb creates. And then I can tame the, the high end a bit if it were to be too loud uh, all of a sudden, for example. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, super, super interesting um, um, drum chain. Mine is a, a lot shorter than yours. Um, yep. I'm, I'm a simple guy, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> um, but if I remember correctly, you actually even, um, yeah, created a little example, right? Um, yeah. for everyone to hear the difference. So I took some drums, uh, from one of the tracks I'm working on right now. And what I basically did is I exported them in three different versions, one without any processing. So that's no processing on the individual samples either. So just samples like they came just with, uh, differences in gain, basically. Then I have a version where I've just done the individual processing. And then I have the final version, which is individual processing and the bus on there. And I can, I'm going to show you how, or let you hear how big of a difference it really makes. All these samples have been normalized to the same sound level of minus six dB. So they are all equally loud, but you will definitely hear a big difference in the perceived loudness of every element against one another and just uh, in its entirety. So that's what I'm going to 
show you guys right now. So this is just the samples without any processing on them whatsoever. So as you can hear, it doesn't sound cohesive at all. Uh, now I'll play you the uh, individual channel processing one. So that already sounds a little bit better, but now where it really ties all together is with the bus processing, which sounds like this. Like you can definitely hear the, the increase of flow that there is in the drums. It just sounds like the hats are really carrying everything and the rhythm as well. They, just, they don't sound like a very distant object anymore. Um, yeah, it's night and, and day, the difference, really. Yeah, and you can hear it even better if I just play the individual sections and switch between them. So you'll always be hearing one out of the three tracks and I'll just be switching between them, going from no processing to individual to bus. So yeah, really nice. Um, you can really start to hear all the elements on the one that has the drum processing, that the drum bus processing on there. Um, it becomes cohesive, clear, um, and just like one drum kit together. Exactly. Very, very nice. Super cool. Yeah. Thank you so much for sharing this. Yeah, you're welcome. This is something that I've been looking into in the last couple of months, especially because I always feel like drums are my weak point. Um, when making music. So I really wanted to improve the way my drums sound. And I'm still learning how to not make too boomy of kicks, for example, like you always <laughs> tell me. Um, I always complain. I it's an inside <coughs> joke between us. I always complain about his kicks being too boomy. <laughs> um, but I mean, it, these techniques already took my drum sounds to an entirely new level. So I'm very happy with these tricks. And so I'm very happy that I can, I can share these tricks with you all. So maybe you'll learn something as well. Oh yeah, definitely. Uh, this is insightful for me as well. Um, and hopefully for our audience as well. Um, yep. Actually, that reminds me, we, we, need a, we need a title for our episode. And I think you already named the perfect title. I would love to name it Boomy Kicks. Boomy kicks, exactly. Boomy <laughs> kicks and drum processing would be a good name uh, for Sounds this episode. Awesome. <laughs> then we have a title already, perfect. <laughs> <laughs> and now this actually once again ties in neatly to the, the original quote you started off with about using a lot of VSTs because as you said, uh, my chain is pretty pretty big and pretty extensive. While you like to keep things a little bit more minimal, how would you, how would you say you feel about that? So um, for me, the, the, the interesting part of the quote is less about like um, stacking too many effects, but I think what's, um, I don't think that there's anything wrong with the way you process the drums. I think actually it makes a lot of sense and I've seen um, quite a few professional producers um, have a similar drum train um, as you do. 
what's interesting about that quote for me actually is um, um, because the person was talking about VSTs and having um, having deleted um, 60 or over 60 of them and he feels much better about producing now. Um, I think it's a mistake that a lot of beginners make and that includes me a bit as well um, is thinking we need these expensive and and many of these vsts synthesizers um but also different effects um that you see professionals use but um an an experience that i've made is that um the less tools you put in front of yourself the more your creativity is challenged and the more creativity comes out of you and it um makes your songs um, more interesting and more of yourself, um, I feel like. Yep. So I personally yep. like to limit myself a lot. Um, I'm not working with a lot of synthesizers. I'm basically working with Logic Stock and um, Serum, really, when it comes mm-hmm. to, to synths and oh, a bit of FM8. Um, maybe, maybe like that. But like, I really try to keep everything as simplistic and as minimalistic as possible in the terms in terms of tools that i'm using and um, it helps me personally a lot to write music that's um that you can hear is made by me and not by some random producer xyz yeah yeah no i, I definitely get that um i tend to stick to the same plugins as well um but i feel like some of the more expensive plugins, uh, especially like the Fab Filter series, I, I really I could live without them, but I love to use them just because they offer so many capabilities built in, uh, like all the the multi band functionality of most um, Fab Filter plugins is something I I feel is very very useful. You could always get around that by making the the multi band thing yourself the equivalent for that uh by using sends and just eqs because that's basically what the plugin is doing but the fact that it's all integrated in there and it's optimized to do those tasks without carrying too much load on the cpu i feel like is a, a big reason as to why i'm so attracted to them and i don't just separate the frequencies myself and then send it through a send bus it just adds that much more complexity and that much more plugins that you need to run on top of each other um, for your CPU to handle. Yeah, CPU is something is a is a really good point that speaks the, um, towards that. But um, yeah, I'm actually um, I also never um, never create artificial multiband um, processing by myself by using linear phase EQs and stuff like that. It's yep. it's would be a nuisance. Um, but I think you I think you make a really interesting point as well. Um, these expensive plugins, they serve a purpose. They are not, I'm not trying to say that they are useless or you should not use them. Um, they make your life easier in the first place, I would say. Um, yeah, pretty much. But you can achieve almost everything with just with stock. Yeah. That's, that's for sure. That's 100% true. If you learn how to use the stock plugins, you can create incredibly crazy things with it i know that fl studio has this uh stock plugin called citrus mm-hmm. as basically a fm uh based synthesizer but you can make 
pretty much any sound you want with it if you know how to use it correctly. I know a mutual friend of ours, Jan, uh, has really delved into how to use it and really understand how, understands how the plugin works. And he loves using it because it gives him personally a lot more freedom than, say, Serum. While me, on the other hand, I have delved into Serum and I know all the nooks and crannies of how the VST works, which allows me to also exploit the, the VST to make special sounds that would not be as easy for anyone else to make just because I know how it works and I've used it so much, which is also a big part of the reason why I try to conserve as much CPU power as possible in my effects section. Um, because I tend to make all my, my bass sounds in Serum just because mm-hmm. I'm, I'm good with Serum. I like how it feels. I know how to use the plugin. But, but it uses heavy. so <laughs> much CPU, especially if you have like, because I, I make these deep sounds with a lot of basses and mid-bass fills. So I tend to have like eight or nine different instances of Serum running. And then each probably also with multiple voicings and stuff. Yeah, multiple voicings on good settings, sometimes oversampling. So my CPU just dies, especially if you layer on top that all the processing I just mentioned on my drum bus and the immense processing I use for, say, a vocal or something, which is something if I look back at my project file for Killjoy, I had to export my drum bus uh, at some point to just a normal audio file because my CPU couldn't run it. On top of that, I had to export my bass uh, to a normal audio file because my CPU couldn't handle all the effects just because there's so many different things with so many different effects layered on top of each other. And I think that's that's one of my biggest issues now is that sometimes I overuse things that are not necessary or do not really impact the sound as much as they're worth using. Yeah, maybe. I think um, I, I think we all or a lot of us producers, at least I have, um, kind of make a make this kind of sine wave of of moving um, with the use yeah. amount of plugins and effects. Um, like in the beginning, you almost use no effects because you have no idea what's going on um, naturally, and then you start using it more and more and more and more, and then at one point you um, start to optimize the amount of effects that you actually need. Um, and yeah, at some point, maybe, maybe you go back to, to using it, using more effects, you get some new toys and yeah. So it always kind of changes back and yeah, forth. It is. <laughs> it, it really, it really is. It, it's, it's, it's a progression that just like anything else throughout your music career is just changing all the time. The sounds you mm-hmm. make, the, the tools you use, how many tools you use, it's, it's a dynamic feature about you and it never really stays the same because you keep discovering new techniques and new ways to do stuff as as we talked about in the last episode it's a constant learning process so it keep will progressing always always be varying yes absolutely um i'm seeing that we're already recording for like what 40 minutes 50 minutes um yeah, should we should we now. we still have some we still have some talking points to go over so yeah um, I, I think it's a good time to to switch to the next little section here <laughs> yeah that was a very not smooth unsmooth transition transition yeah <laughs> segue into um yeah a lovely category um that we had last time as well um which is the up and coming um slash overexposed category where we are talking about 
um, yeah, people that we think are kind of underrated or um, more people should should know about them and listen to them and support them. Um, or maybe to be a bit more controversial, um, who's overexposed, um, who, who doesn't deserve the fame that they have. But yeah, for today... Exactly. We are staying. We are staying not controversial, and I've actually picked out an artist um, um, that I really, really like um, the music of, um, and his name is Lazu. So um, I found him by scanning through um, Soul Deep um, records, um, and he had released an EP there, um, which is very, very nice. And one of his songs um, called Modulized something that I regular u- regularly l- use in my sets now. Um, it has an amazing vibe. Um, I think the um, mix down and everything is made very, very um, well. Um, sounds very professional, um, of course. And yeah, um, his SoundCloud is worth checking out as well. Um, lovely guy. Um, so what do you say? Uh, should we have a listen to, to a little bit of uh, Lazu? Yeah. I've got uh, the track you just mentioned called Modular uh, pulled up here on the SoundCloud page. So I'll just play a little snippet of that so you can get a feeling of what his vibe is all about. And then we'll talk about that a little bit more before we move on. So this is Modular by Lasu on Soul Deep Recordings. Here I come to take you. Absolutely lovely. So yeah, as you can hear, it's, it's a beautiful, solely liquid track uh, with a nice percussive bass in there, which is something that you don't hear a lot of, in my opinion, or not enough of, in my opinion. The the sort of bass that basically imitates the sound of a real bass guitar is, is a real commodity in liquid, and I really like it. Yeah, it has that. a realistic um, um, amp envelope going on there, and it's... yeah. Yeah, makes it makes it very interesting, very vibey overall. Um, I think he's done a great job with, um, yeah, working creatively with that um, vocal sample that he used here um, throughout the drop, and yeah, the 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 percussions and everything just on point in my opinion. Really love this one. Yeah, it's, it's a beautiful track. I think Soul Deep Recordings has a lot of nice liquid tunes on there, uh, and this man is is. As you say, he's like underappreciated quite heavily. Uh, man's only got about 1,300 followers on this uh, SoundCloud page, so we definitely need to up that. So if you're listening to the podcast now, I do invite you to go follow Lasu on SoundCloud. That's spelled L-A-S-U. Um, it's a, a guy from Canada, and I think it's it would be a nice gesture to help grow the, the drum and bass scene out in that part of the world where it is really underrepresented today. So definitely go drop him a follow. Yeah, absolutely. Um, show this man some love. He really, really deserves it for his beautiful productions. <clears throat> All right. That leaves us to uh, our favorite tracks of the moment, <laughs> which ties in pretty nicely with uh, up and coming artists, but they can always be something different. So tell me, Ground, what is your favorite track at the okay, moment? Okay. So my favorite, um, I, I could pick, I could pick Lazo Modula, um, but I've, I've known it for quite some time now. Um, so I, I would say there's a different release that was just published um, at the time of recording this episode, just published a few days ago. Um, and that is Us, the Polar and Bryson remix 
Um, it's crazy good. I don't know if you've heard it before. Um, it was played in. Yep, I definitely have. Cool. Yeah, it was. It was played in in a lot of sets. I think they've also played it in their Puzzlewood set. Um, such an amazing sound. I've been waiting for this remix to drop. Um, it's such a party banger. Yeah, I think uh, I have it pulled up here as well. Oh, so awesome! This is, <laughs> I I I knew it was very likely that you were going to pick that tune, so I have it right here. So we'll listen to a short snippet of that as well. This is "Us" by Alchemist, but the Paul and Bryson remix available on all streaming platforms as well right now. Let's have a little listen to it. the banger right yeah the the baseline sounds so clean and the little synth they added on top is something i i absolutely love as well they are magicians really, man. really good tune they are magicians yeah, they, they really are actually they they make amazing music really almost everything that i hear from poland bryson is just so pristine so good yeah immediately definitely. something that i would play in a set so yeah so I have my favorite track uh, for the last couple of days, I'd say the last week or so. Pulled up here as well, it's called Exciter by Ways and Wings. Oh my. Uh, which are two of my uh, favorite deep artists. And I feel like they absolutely killed it with uh, this track as well. Uh, it's, it's a relatively old track, it's from their XOEP of Wings, uh, released in 2020 somewhere. So it, it's not new by any means, but I, I really enjoy listening to the tune. And so, once again, here is a little snippet of that Exciter by Ways and Wings. Yeah, I, I really like the the sort of industrial vibe those two always manage to create in their tracks. I'm a big fan of both of them individually. And when I see two of my, my favorite deep artists come together and make a collab, I'm always super excited. <laughs> and this one has been, I've been listening to this one for a long time. And recently I've sort of rediscovered it, so to say, by going through my my like tracks on Spotify again. And yeah, it's just, I absolutely love the tune. Super nice, actually. The vibe they create is, is very immense to me. It's, it's so deep and industrial is, I think, the best word to describe it. Right, yeah. I, didn't, I actually didn't know this one before, so I'm, um, I'm super happy I can find new music through this podcast. Um, yeah, exactly. I really, really like how they um, used these, yeah, usually heavier bass sounds and made them like, um, like, like a little bit like a little crackle on top of everything that just keeps up the yep. interest and it's changing all the time and it's even like dynamic in this in the stereo image if i heard it correctly um yeah 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 for sure super nice song definitely one i need to i need to get for myself as well yeah no as you say like they they use these these stop basses uh, and they actually carry the track because something else they do, which gives their drops a lot of impact to me, is they stop their sub 
the sub is not continuously running throughout the entire drop. It, there's a lot of spaces where the sub actually completely drops out, but those top layers keep the movement going. And then when the sub come back in, it comes back in. It's just like a whole new burst of energy comes back into the track. And that's, that's a big plus on their tracks, in my opinion. Yeah, awesome one. Thank you so much for showing this one to me and everyone listening. Um, very amazing. I will, I will yeah. put this into, into my playlists for, for going live. Nice. Exciter by <laughs> Wings and Ways. Definitely look it up. Very cool one. All right, what do you say? Right. Should we wrap it up? I think this is indeed a good place to wrap up. Based and Breaks, episode number two. The boomy kicks and drum processing episode. <laughs> I, uh, I had a lot of fun talking about the today's like technical topic. I hope everyone learned something from it. Um, because it's to me, it's very valuable information. So I hope I was able to explain it decently. Yeah, absolutely. Um, was very, was very, very nice, um, especially with the listening examples. Yeah, I, I hope everyone learned something. I hope you guys enjoyed today's episode. If you did, obviously make sure to catch last week's episode, or well, two weeks ago's episode, last episode, I should just call it. If you haven't already, I hope you stay tuned for the next episode as well. That's going to come out in two weeks after this one, of course. So yeah, my name is Nora. I'm here with my good friend, Grand Sentence. We wish you a very, very good life and we hope to see you very, very soon. Stay tuned and stay safe. I'm out for now. Peace. Peace.